Hello, everyone, and welcome back to La Cancha. We just had Super Sunday in La Liga with games involving a lot of top teams. I believe three out of the top nine played today. Barca versus Atletico, obviously, was the big one. We had Rayo versus Betis. We had Arosa Ciudad play Al Maria. And then Saturday, we had Villarreal versus Real Madrid and all very high-profile games in Spanish football. And we're going to start right at the top with Barcelona because... They've gone to the top of the table after beating Atletico at the Wanda Metropolitano. And the caption is says here is Barca escapes from the Metropolitano with three golden points. You agree with that, Oscar? Uh, yeah, it's fair to say we you know, had a lucky break or two in that game, especially at the end. But three points that keep us clear of Real Madrid, I, it makes me like, not really care about the performance that much. Yeah. And, and, and let's go into the game because in this game, I felt if we're looking at it from, I'll give the athletic point of view, you can give Barca point of view, but mm -hmm. from an athletic point of view, I felt they entered the game so poorly. The mistakes they made at the back and Barcelona just capitalized on that. And you look at, and it led up to the first goal by Pedri where Pedri just had the freedom of, Atleti's midfield. I'm sorry, first goal by Dembele, where Pedro had the freedom of Atleti's midfield. Renildo wasn't strong enough in that challenge from Gavi, and it just leads to Dembele having a sweet one-on-one, -on -one, and that's how the game started. And it was like, pretty much, I thought Barcelona dominated, but they dominated more because of the fact that Atleti didn't show up for that first half, and they were quite poor. Yeah, I, that's a fair comment. Like, like you said, for the goal... Pedri had actually had the option of looking left and right before deciding I'm going to run through the space that these four athletic players are giving me. And it was pretty poor from them all for Atleti all round. But and it took until almost going down 2 0 to get a reaction. Yeah, and this was against a Barcelona side that has suffered a lot of criticism this week and um they were without Warbit Lewandowski. We spoke about what happened in the game against Espanyol. Then now in midweek against Intercity, Barcelona, <laughs> they had a scare and going yeah. out to one of the worst teams. And I believe they, they're, I'm not sure whether they're even in Primera Ref, but they might be in Segunda Ref. They're, they're in Primera, Primera they, Ref. Yeah. Barca played against them yeah. this season. Yeah, and, and I remember looking at them like, in the relegation zone there. And it's just really surprising that Barca had to really fight to get through against one of those teams. Honestly, this team has almost killed me twice this week. <laughs> but thankfully, we survived. Yeah, and I'll say it was a really good defensive performance from um, from Barca's backline. Kunde had a good day. Uh, Araujo had, had a very good game as well. He really muted Joao Felix and Christensen. He was very good. He was very cynical in some of his tackles. But mm -hmm. hey, like if you're winning one zero, it's a tough game, and you have to do those kind of tackles. Yeah, I thought, and yeah, Araujo will rightly get the plaudits for that goal in terms of. I thought Christensen was the best of all the defenders in terms of his game. You know and. It's just like these three players you mentioned, all of them are missing during the other big part of the season, the Inter Madrid game. So it kind of, yeah. it's kind of sad that like things could have been, may have been very different if one of them was there. But, you know, 
that the past is the past, but the present is there. Really, it's been they were really good defensively. Testegen, besides flopping at a few corners, was good, and yeah. the rest of the team, even though in attack and keeping possession, they were quite average. They, I thought that everyone you know did their bit to just ensure that we get the three points in a defensive way. Yeah, and that's something that's surprising for Barca because, like, normally if they're under pressure, like the way Atleti put them under pressure for the remaining part of the game after the goal, because I feel this game can be split into two parts. The first 25 minutes where Barca were all over Atleti, Atleti were making mistakes, they were almost gifting goals to Barcelona, <laughs> and um, they were a bit lucky in some calls. And after the goal, it's almost as if Atleti woke up and Barca were really under siege. And they were creating chances, especially in that first half. There were a couple of corners where I felt could have gone in for Atleti, and it was just it was just wild that Barcelona were able to hold on. Yeah, it's a new side of us this season. You know, there have been there have been games where we've blown the points away, and there have been games where we've ground out a few one nils this season. You know. Keeping like keeping all these clean sheets is also very important because we've only considered six, and by this time last year we considered twenty one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have the defense to thank for, you know, being defenders for once. Not like in the past years where we were giving away penalties steadily and stuff. Yeah, and how big is this for the title race from a Barca perspective? Yeah, I think it's pretty big, but it's far from over. Like, yeah, as let's say hypothetical scenario, we're still three points ahead of Real Madrid in the next Clasico, and then we lose. Yeah, we'll be but, behind them on head to head, so it's not over. Yeah, and as we've seen from Real Madrid this week, it's still a long way to go, and both teams that could like they're doing very well, but like there's still a possibility that they will drop points before El Clasico, so we might look at a different table mm-hmm. once we get there. And um, I to speak to go back to the athletes, this athletic performance. I felt I felt this was possibly their best performance of the season since the game against Cordoba and the Metropolitano, where it was zero zero. And I felt they weren't that bad against Real Madrid. They deserved more from this game. They deserved more in that game against Madrid and against Bruga. But we're seeing a team that they just can't get it over the edge when they're dominating. They just can't be forceful, be clinical. It seems like they're lacking that center forward, that guy who can finish up chances or goals from around the team. Yeah, there have been a few games this season where Atleti have had a lot of shots, but just one goal or sometimes no goal. Like, for example, against Espanyol, 10 men Espanyol, by the way, at home, they had 27 shots, just the one goal. Against... Who was it? I think it was another home game where yeah, against Rayo that they had a lot of shots too and nothing. Yeah. So yeah, it's a problem. I mean, the defense, a lot of some of the defending by Athletic has been horrible, but then the lack of cutting their job front is also exacerbating their problems. Yeah, and I just feel they're not, the, the way they enter this game, they, they were just not aggressive enough. And it's mm-hmm. not like the players don't have it in them because, as we saw, as, as the game went on, they became more aggressive. They became on more on the front foot. But you're right about their home record in that 
they have the 13th best home record in La Liga so far. They've let 13 points escape from the Wanda Metropolitano this season. And that's something that if you are a club that's to aspire for greater things than just top four, you have to improve. Your home record has to be your bread and butter. Exactly. And yeah. if we compare the home record to the rest of the teams around them, you have Betis their third, Villarreal are fifth, Atletico fourth. Yeah. So yeah, it's some it's an area where they really need to improve. Yeah, they definitely really need to improve. And let's talk about John Felix because I thought it was a <laughs> terrible game. I thought it was horrible in this. In this. And if, if you're a player who's you made a big you made big noise about how you don't like the team you're playing with, you believe you you deserve to play for a better team. This is the kind of scenario where you have to showcase why teams should go for you. Because if you're Manchester United or Arsenal and you you're just looking at this performance, which is on public TV in the UK and you're like, is this the player I should be paying a nine million pound loan fee and a seventy point five million pound um, transfer fee for? Yeah, that's the Timmy Felix. He just in his athletic career, he barely shows up in huge matches. Yeah. Before think- this game, and this is not me being reactionary, by the way. It's yeah. he's never scored against Barcelona or Madrid. No. In games against Sevilla, Real Sociedad. And Betis, okay, Betis, he shows up for, but yeah. <laughs> most of the other ones, Villarreal, not really. Yeah. And yeah. this is a striker that's coming off a run of four games, four goals in three league games against Espanyol, um, Cadiz, and Elche. So that kind of tells you the story. Yeah, and we're Espanyol, Cadiz, and Elche, like. Espanol and Cadiz are in the relegation zone. Elche in the relegation zone as well. So, All three are in the relegation zone, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so that, that that tells you a lot of, of all you need to know about this player. And I have the, the stats to prove it to you that you're actually spot in your what you're doing in your analysis because Betis, Villarreal, Sevilla, Real Sociedad, and Madrid—they've been the top six teams that he can play at Atleti mm-hmm. since he's moved to La Liga. They've been like, the best performance. And he's only scored six goals in 32 games in against those big clubs. And most of them have been against Betis, if I'm yeah. not wrong. Yeah, half of them are against Betis, two against Villarreal, one against Sevilla, zero against Barca, Real Sociedad, Madrid. If you pop up Atleta Bilbao as well, which is... I think one in the Super Cup. Uh, yeah, in the Super Cup. But in, in the league, like zero against them. Mm-hmm. That's It just shows you that in these kind of games... And this is my frustration with him because against lower level teams, he performs. And I'm not going to take that away from him. But when the games get tough, he hides from games. He's missing. He does things I shouldn't do. And that's why I feel maybe even for from for Atleti, for him, they have to get this done this winter because I don't see the situation improving. Well, Things are, I would say he really, it's not that he went missing today that was the problem. I feel like his attitude, like anytime he lost the ball or Barca like got, forced a turnover from him, you didn't see any effort to try and win the ball back or anything. It was just pretty, yeah. like the work rate is not there. And Simeone, you know, like work, if there's one thing he wants from his players, is a high attacking and defensive work rate and 
Yeah. It's just not there either way. Yeah, it's not just there. And, and then in contrast with a player like Marcus Llorente, who's not as had his greatest time in the last two years, but I thought he was Atleti's best player and how he was all over the pitch. Mm-hmm. His work was phenomenal. Yeah, I thought Yante was Yante is an example of what Felix should be. Not not even Yante, Griezmann, because yeah. Griezmann didn't have his best game, but he all he tried to win fifty fifties and stuff. So yeah, at least he was there. Like he had chances. Like mm-hmm. he was there. Like he 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 fought. But yeah, like we can leave Atleti behind him because Barca are now top of the table. They're fourteen points out of Atleti, but. I guess more importantly for Barca, they are three points ahead of Real Madrid, who found a way to lose against Villarreal. But I, I feel I feel Villarreal played much better than them in that game. I thought they were they were very superior in the first half. They controlled more of the ball. They didn't allow Madrid to exploit them too much on the counter attack. And when Madrid did exploit the counter attack, boy, Raúl Abiol and and um, <laughs> and Pepe Reina, his name escaped me, rolled back the years. Yeah, it was a really dominant performance from Villarreal, and if not for some unselfish play, they could have had more than two, and they should have had more than two. Even before the penalty that Real Madrid got, it should have been at least a clear daylight difference between the two teams, because Villarreal were really spot on in how they set up, you know, dominating and keeping making sure that Modric, Cruz, and Tramini didn't have any of the ball to do damage to them because that midfield tree plus Valverde is very good at keeping the ball too. And like you said, Real Madrid are a team that even if they don't have the ball, they're very dangerous without it because they can counter-attack. But then Alabio made some really good interceptions and avoided that. And yeah, it's the result Villarreal deserve in the end. Yeah, and it's more power to um, Kike Setien because he's been fairly criticized since he came into the job. People were wondering whether he was the right person for it, given what happened at Barca. But I think he's proved again that he's still a very good manager. And we almost forget because of the Bayern Munich game and how Barca ended that league season. But there's a reason why Barcelona wanted to get him as a manager because he was so good. And I feel this may be like with Villarreal, this may be like his level where it's a team that's fighting to get into the Champions League or Europa League level team. And in general, he does really well against Real Madrid, either whether it's been at Las Palmas or Betis. Like at Betis, I believe he won there for the first time since like 99 when he was the coach of Betis. Then he kept on winning at the Bernabeu or like not losing at the Bernabeu at Las Palmas. He had a season where Las Palmas didn't lose to Real Madrid and they went on to win La Liga and the Champions League. So... I'll say this is something that he really needed to maybe reestablish himself and his reputation. Yeah, he really needed it because before the international break, we remember how the fans were like kicking out after two losses in four games, I believe. Yeah. I think one of those defeats was in the Europa League when they were already, in Conference League, my bad, and when they were already topped their group and everything. And yeah, it's been it's been a good opportunity for him to get his message across to the team because this was a team under Emery who are more cautious, more defensive. But now you could see the patterns of a Kiki Setien team, you know, the four three three and everything. And 
Yeah, all the teams that needed that break, they needed it most, probably as, not as much as Sevilla, but they were up there and <laughs> it's really paying off so far with six wins in a row. Yeah, what I like about this team compared to like his Barcelona team is the forward movements are breathtaking. The way the midfield is broken to Real Madrid and they were creating chances. I really like that about, about them. And I think that's something that Villarreal really needed and that they really needed a change of style, change to be more like going from less pragmatic to being more offensive. I remember us speaking about this game last week up there. And you were talking about how, like, if Emery was there, it would definitely be, like, they could get a point from them. And I and I retorted, and I was like, you know what, with Setien, I feel they have a better chance of winning just based on the style. And it proved right on Saturday. Yeah, you were right. You know, like, having the quality, because Villarreal is a very top-quality team, and they, they had the players to hurt you, Madrid, and they were able to do that with this attacking style. Because the team with... Real Madrid is that I think between Madrid and Barcelona is that if you're too scared of them, you're playing to their hands and you have to be brave against them, especially if you have enough quality to do so. Yeah, and, and that, that also leads us to the game we just saw with Atleti. And we saw that when Atleti played Barca face to face, which is a risky strategy, by the way, they were successful. They, were, they looked more likely to win. And same thing, we saw that with Villarreal against Madrid. We saw that with Rayo when they played Madrid. When they played Madrid face-to-face, they were able to get the win. And I hope more teams look at that and play that way instead of being as cautious. And I just want to give more a shout-out to Samu Chikwese, who was really good in this game. I feel he's been one of the beneficiaries since Setien came in because... It looks like Emery didn't really trust him after a while, but with Kike Setien, it feels like he's really thriving under that style of football. Yeah, we spoke about it last week, about how both he and Pino are getting more goal contributions and more um, offensive actions because instead of babysitting their fullback, they're now high enough up the pitch to support Gerard when Villarreal have the ball back. Yeah, that's true. And let's go in, go into the game, like um, sink our teeth into it. Like the first goal, like as I said, Villarreal, they were already creating chances. It was not a surprise that he got it. And then the game got interesting um, with the penalties, <laughs> the tale of two handballs. And at first, when I saw the first one, I felt I felt I, I was upset. I was upset because I was like, this is another week in a row where a team does really well against Real Madrid, and mm-hmm. they get a very unlucky call. And in my head, I was thinking, okay, the ref is not going to give this call the other way around. But fair play to him, he did give the call when he happened to Alaba. Yeah. I feel, honestly, neither of those are penalties. So at least it's good to see that the ref was consistent. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I agree with that as well. But from a Real Madrid perspective, this is a tough blow to take because you seem like both... Real Madrid and Barcelona, they had these tough games going into the weekend that was built up. And Real Madrid, they failed in their test and Barcelona passed with blind calling. Yeah, it's a huge blow because, like you said, Barcelona arguably, in some people's eyes, will have had the tougher task, but they did what they had to do. Real Madrid didn't. And the gap 
having narrowed it last week, it's not increased again, but I'm sure that gap will go either way between now and the end of the season. Yeah. But yeah, it's a tough blow to take, considering that even before the break, their league form has been stuttering a little. Yeah, it has, it has been stuttering, and it's, it's interesting that they haven't fully pulled away from the team like Ross Sociedad, who is just six points behind them, and we'll get on to uh, Philan Mendy. He's been heavily criticized. Real Madrid, they believe they say they want Alfonso Davis. Do you feel the left-back spot is a big issue for them? I don't think it's that big an issue because they have, like, four players that can play there. Because Alaba could play there, but I don't know with Alaba. When Alaba plays centre-back, Nacho plays left-back. So I'm like, maybe Ancelotti knows something that prevents him from playing Alaba as a left-back more often. Yeah. And you also have, like I've mentioned, Nacho can play there. He's also, funny enough, played Rudiger and, um, what's his name, Vallejo there. The latest one being the <laughs> cup tie against Casarreño. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. And but Mendy... Camavinga played there in the World Cup, famously. Sure, that's honestly an option they should consider if they're chasing a knock a game or something. Yeah. They want to say something about Mendy. Yeah, I was like, yeah, his performance wasn't good, and I was, I was, it was interesting because after the game, I like found out that he's actually wanted by both Man City and PSG. So I'm like, is that <laughs> is this the kind of game that will make Real Madrid think? They could cash in, yeah. Since they want Davis, yeah. Because I, I think Mendy has always been, as a left back, he's been a phenomenal left back. But in terms of defensively, but going forward, that's where he's been lacking. So I, that's the thing with him. I wonder, like, whether Rumford wants a more flamboyant left back. Maybe they they can go for Davis, or they can go for Miguel at Girona, or Fran at Rayo. So there, there are a bunch of options for them. That they could that they could settle on, and it will be interesting if they go for Fran or Miguel because it brings up a question that we saw in this game where Real Madrid, for the first time I believe in their 121 years, didn't start a Spanish player. Is that a referendum on Real Madrid or a referendum on Spanish, the quality of Spanish um, youngsters going forward? I think it's just a Real Madrid because every other team has. At least one or two good Spaniards in there. So, like Man City have more Spaniards than them. So, I feel Real Madrid, right, have had the opportunity to give the likes of Miguel Arribas, um, I forget his name, Blanco, you know, some Fran, some opportunities. Maybe Fran less so because he never really started any game when he was at Real Madrid. They just blown him out immediately, but. Why so stands like they could switch from the galactic approach once in a while and just find any gem in their academy because yeah. Miguel and Fran have high enough ceilings that I think they'll be top left backs. So yeah, and even there's Hakimi who is although he plays from Morocco, he was a born Spaniard. So there's even an argument that he could have played as a right back for Real Madrid. Hakimi. He even used to play as a left back in his first season for Dortmund. Yeah. So, yeah. But let's move on from Real Madrid. Let's go to Real Sociedad, who are just six points behind them. And Real Sociedad, the one thing I liked about this win is because when I was watching the game, 
it felt like this was they were falling into their old patterns where they played against a team that was super solid defensively and they were just not going to find a way. But in the second half, David Silver really rolled back the years with stunning performance and Alexander Sorloff kept on scoring. And this is without Bryce Mendes, who's been their best player. Yeah, it's an important win for them to, you know, keep up the, keep setting the pace for the teams behind the top two. And like you said, we also have to give David Silva a happy birthday wish because today was his 37th birthday and he marked that with that great goal that was provided by Takekubo, who is also having an excellent season. Yeah. I also thought that E.R. Mendy was pretty good in replacing Bryce. He was it's like it makes you feel bad that he has been robbed on this opportunity to play more regularly, but at least he's getting that now. Yeah, you almost forget how good he was when he was just breaking through, but to see him do this well, and it's it seems like for Imanol, last season, like I was somewhat critical of them because I felt they were just too um, pedantic, they were like a bit boring in the way they played, but this season, it feels like that style of play that I was trying to implement, it's finally starting to work. It's starting to bear fruit. Yeah. I feel like the change of system to like a more cent- a more centralized build-up is helping them because the tra- kind of football he's trying to play requires a lot of ball-to-feed players that, that also have the ability to run in behind. And in Kubu, it seems like he's found the perfect guy to really implement this. Yeah, he really has. And with Rasa Stad, how do you rate them compared to Athletic, who they're going to play tomorrow, Monday, and Betis and Atletico? Like, where do you, where will you rank them in terms of which one finishes where? I say with Rasa said that it's, um, it's kind of the same thing I have for another team we're going to mention later, but their ceiling, we don't know their true ceiling yet because their best attacker in Arafaba is just getting back. So if you add him to this, um, their ceiling is really high. So, yeah, I think... Sadiq, who has been out Sa- I mean, Sadiq isn't going to play anymore yeah. this season, right? So, yeah. unfortunately. But Sarlot is doing the job right now. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel all these things combined, if Sarlot in particular can keep scoring goals and with Bryce's obviously goal contribution or a football when he comes in, I think they'll have enough to do something good this season. Will it be top four in La Liga? Will it be the Europa League? Uh, will it be a cup? They're still in the cup. I mean, it could be either one of the three. I just... The only issue I have with them is maybe depth. Yeah. In, if they go deep in all three competitions, but then they have some really promising youngsters. You have Navarro, who's been really good in the cup games, and um, there's one that came on today. I, I think Pablo Marin, who I was really impressed with his cameo. So if they keep, you know, producing young talents to mix with the already talented squad they have, then for sure they can get top four and go deep in the cups. Yeah, my, my one issue with their squad is that the wing backs are quite mid. <laughs> That's silly. I feel mm-hmm. apart from that. Yeah, yeah besides Garosal Belderas, well, the le- I'll say the left backs are the issue. The right backs are okay, but... Yeah. 
Rico is having a much better season than last time. Ayan has been good when called upon, so I think they'll be okay to finish. I, they can definitely challenge for top four better than they ever have so far. Yeah. yeah, but Betis will, will give them a strong challenge, right? Luis Enrique came of age today with a wonderful goal. They played against Rodrigo and it was a fairly interesting game, like very high-octane, two fairly attacking teams. And what do you make of Betis in their race to finish in that top four? I think as long as Betis keep 11 men on the pitch, they have a very good chance. <laughs> it is that Betis this season, they've, in terms of goals, they've kind of underwhelmed. Yeah. Because they've been involved in a lot of nil-nil draws, and a lot of draws in general because of said red cards. But today, they were really good. They hit the bar a couple of times after they scored the second goal. You know, Luis Enrique had a great game. Like, Recently, he's just been killing all the left backs he's facing, which is why mm-hmm. I'm kind of worrying for Jordi Alba or Baldi or Alonso, whoever faces him in the Super Cup, because this guy's a man on a mission, and it's great to see him finally get his first league goal. Yeah, it, it, it really is. And seeing him after what happened last week with his dad and playing here, like playing out of skin, I'm, I was really happy for him. And I'm yeah. really happy for Betis, because like, it seems like they're on the right path again. And I looked at the stats and it feels like they haven't really regressed so much from last season in terms of points. And you mentioned with the red card record and if they are able to keep their discipline record hot better, if they're able to get a better discipline record, you might wonder whether they might give like Real Sociedad, Atleti or run for their money in terms of that Champions League spot. Yeah, definitely. I feel like that top four is really tight now, especially as Villarreal have come back into it with a good run of form. When, when they were a bit adrift a couple of matches ago, so yeah, it's going to be really tight. Honestly, like, I can't really, I can't really hand on hand say who's going to finish third or fourth. Yeah, I think earlier in the season when you asked me this question, I said I'd like to see Atletico get at least fourth, but. To be honest, I don't know. They are doing a lot of negative things for the first time ever this season. Yeah. So I don't know. Okay. I'm not going to. I'm not going to say <laughs> anything. Well, well, let's see. Because Betis, right? Alex Mourinho is apparently linked with the movie. Right? So if that happens, that's massively going to affect them. Yeah. But yes. he's always linked to the movie. <laughs> Come again? He's always linked to the movie. Right? Yeah. True. Yeah. And also for Villarreal, I was going to mention Pepe Reina before. I'm like, yeah. I don't know if they're going to talk about the goalkeeping situation since they've sold Rooney really? to Ajax. And Pepe Reina, I'm not so I'm not so sure honestly. Even even after his game against Real Madrid, he looked. I mean, he still had that great save from Vinicius. Yeah. I mean, the team with older goalkeepers, right? Their positioning is very good. Yeah, this is really spot on. Because of the experience, my issue is with the possible reflex saves you might have to make. True, the reflexes yeah. might not be as sharp anymore. Yeah, that, that is very true. That is very true. And I've seen him in some conference league games. Sure, so. <laughs> yeah. but on Rayo, Raúl de Tomás showed up. Um, any impressions of him in this game? 
Yeah, he didn't really impact the game so much. He tried to link with Cameo, who scored again, by the way, a couple of times, but and, and it's still early days for him. But the idea that I was talking about earlier, that their ceiling might increase because they've just dropped this really good striker into their attack. So who knows, might he help Ryo overachieve even more and break into the top six or seven? Yeah, who knows? It's pretty possible. Yeah. Especially as they don't have a cup run to the strike them this time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they lost to Sporting Gijan. That, that was a fascinating game. But let, let's go to Mallorca because they, they're one of those teams where it's like they have a chance because they're six points behind um, Betis at the moment. But, but they really we, have a chance. We don't, they don't really have a chance. Uh, they, <laughs> we, we spoke about how we didn't really see the best of them against Atafe. I don't think we saw the best of them here, but if you need a late go from Mallorca, you just call on Abdom Prats and he'll, he'll get the go. Yeah, he had scored an important goal for them to help them stay up last year, and he scored a very important one this time in a, in a possible um, this thing, in a possible late um, what? Sorry, I'm losing my train of thought. A possible relegation battle. <laughs> So that win keeps them clear. Yeah, it really does keep them clear. And the, the other thing about this game, because like it seemed like not much happened, was the fact that Scaloneta arrived in Spain. Um, Scaloni was a former uh, Mallorca player, so it seemed to get on it like this was nice. Yeah, it's nice to see Scaloni get on it. And I hope he stops by Depper so they could do something nice for him too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so l- let's run through the other games because like after the top 10, there's a big gap. There's a, there's a big race for, um, to avoid relegation. And we're going to start with Valencia Cadiz. And Cadiz, they had a really good performance against Valencia. They were able to win. And this puts Valencia in a quite complicated situation because there's a four-point gap between Valencia and Cadiz, and Cadiz are in the relegation zone. Yeah. Valencia, um, they haven't had the best couple of weeks coming back from the break. And after going 1-0 down against Cadiz, they had no way to really break them down. There wasn't really to make their cup chances. So that would worry me for them. So they need the result as soon as possible. Yeah. Well, did. for Cadiz, you know, they, this was a result that they really needed and it's it temporarily put them out of the relegation zone. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. The other big relegation six-pointer was uh, Girona versus Espanyol. And we saw here Kiangel Herrera coming back to Espanyol where we played for, I believe, last season and he silenced the RCD in the, quite entertaining Catalan derby. Yeah. It was a really good game, honestly. Like, especially from Girona, like, you can just see, like, watching them is really pleasing on the eye this season. Yeah. Not just Yangel, you know, Rodrigo Riquelme, Alex Garcia are now. You know, such a talented team. It's just a shame they can't defend to save their lives. Yeah, that, that's the one thing you know about them is like, you're going to, they're, they're going to score goals, you're going to concede goals. And a word on Hosselu for Espanyol because he's the second top scorer in La Liga at the moment. Is, is what's going to happen to Alaves happen to him again where like he scores most of the goals, but 
he's unable to save Espanyol. Honestly, at this point, you might have to say yes because he's not really getting too much help from the rest of the forwards. Although Poado scored a goal for Espanyol this weekend, you'd hope from an Espanyol perspective that he kicks on and chips in to a possible. But yeah, with that defense, honestly, they're going to need an MSN level season to save them. Because <laughs> Espanyol, they don't seem to be able to defend set pieces in any way, shape, or form well. So, you know, they have to hope that their new signings, Cesar Montes, can fix that. Yeah, they would have to open another team hoping for better defensive record as Sevilla and Sevilla. This season, they've been so poor at home. Um, they signed Bade from Nottingham Forest, Ren, mixture of, <laughs> mixture of both of them. And they played against Atafe, which is one of their favorite teams to play against. And they won their first home game in La Liga this season. I thought they were really good. And is this the start of something new for Sevilla? And it's too early to say, but <laughs> you know, it's a much needed win. This was their first home win since May. And yet, you know, something that will boost them and especially as some other teams around them lost. I can't believe we're talking about them in a relegation battle for crying out loud. But yeah, yeah. Um, River, the lead, who I forgot to mention, are on a four-game losing streak without any goal. And Almeria just lost. So that will yeah. be a boost for Sevilla, who are playing Girona next. I believe they're also playing Cardiff soon. Soon and Elche as well, so they are going to <laughs> they get to have that relegation, lots of relegation six pointers coming their way. Um, speaking of relegation zone, though, we're, let's talk about Elche, who are caught adrift. And I really enjoyed Salta Vigo's performance in this. Um, Aspas was like brilliant for them once again, scoring a, a vital goal. But let's talk about Elche because they're set to be one of the worst teams in La Liga since supporting Kihan. Yeah, it's really not looking good. I mean, their performance in this game was not so bad. But at this point, that's just scant consolation. Yeah, if we, they have four points so far. They have 11 points away from safety. It's They're starting to look doomed, if we're being honest. Yeah, uh, let's just, yeah, let's just take a quick... Oh, this is the cupboard array draw. Um, a lot stands out here where, like, you see a big game is obviously the Real Real Madrid, uh, but Barcelona obviously got the luck of the draw. <laughs> Although the Croatia manager was pretty pissed off when Xavi said that. Oh yeah, the lower league opponents come as well. I don't know. I feel Xavi complains a bit too much about draws. So let's hope this doesn't bite us in the ass. Forgive yeah. my language. <laughs> yeah, don't hope that. But like, let's get to the La Liga standings and. As you can see here, Barcelona are pretty on top of the table. And just look at that. Between Valencia and Espanyol, five points separates 11 from 19. This could be a relegation battle for the ages. <laughs> yeah, but out of those teams, honestly, well, I think Real Valladolid are dropping like a stone, so I think they'll definitely be down there. Sevilla, you'd have to think they're going to improve at some point. Yeah. Espanyol, Espanyol are the weird one because they shouldn't be down there with the quality they have yet. 
Oh, yeah, and, and thing thing that worried me from an Espanol fan is that Cadiz have been they've been improving week over week, so that would be something that would really worry me. But yeah, it'll, it's going to be an interesting relegation battle. After like a few weeks ago, before the World Cup break, we thought okay, the relegation isn't going to be as interesting, but now it's definitely proved to be. Uh, let's talk about other leagues and um, in the other European leagues, Juventus are second. Really surprising, given how poorly they started the season. They're seven points away from Napoli. Napoli lost um, to enter to yeah, allow they other... back. yeah, they they really bounced back today against Sampdoria. Wow, yeah, back. and I was asking about Chelsea because um, as someone who watches it from afar, seeing them as a mid-table team is quite surprising. Yeah, but Chelsea is a combination of a lot of teams. You know, they have a pretty bad injury list right now. You could even argue that the injured XI is better than the current one. <laughs> so they've had to use a lot of new faces in the last few games. And also, I, this is just a general problem Chelsea have had since 2004. Not having too many clinical strikers. Because I can't think of two or three seasons where Chelsea striker scored more than 20 goals in the league. And that was dropped by in 2010. And Diego Costa twice. So that's um, a pro- that like You could make a whole video on why Chelsea strikers struggle. Yeah. But, uh, and then, you know, the Potter situation, a new coach coming into all these difficult situations, you know, it's never it's not ideal for anyone. Yeah, it could get worse. Yeah, it really could. I, I don't think it's something that you simply spend your way out of. I think you just have to weather the storm and yeah. hope that you can recover a few players. Yeah, but the owners seem to think otherwise they've spent I think they've broken a record for spending this this year or this yeah. season, given how much they spent on players and they've still set to like spend a lot more. They're hoping to get bringing Enzo Fernandez from Benfica, although it seems that that deal has somewhat gone off the boil. And speaking of Portugal, Braga second in the Portuguese league, which I feel is interesting and something that's worthy of discussion, given that it's usually dominated by Benfica and Porto. But if you're looking for a very good title race and you're like, okay, all the top five leagues don't do it for me, check out the Eredivisie title race because. Ajax losing Ten Hag has had ripple effects in that league, and I believe they're about five teams separated by five points or something crazy like that. So that's something to keep on, something to keep an eye out for if you're looking for entertainment beyond the top five leagues. Yeah, our division is really crazy this year. <laughs> just like you said, just the four points separating Feyenoid and Azad. So yeah. that's one to keep an eye on. Like and also with uh, PSV losing Gapo, that might even make things. Yeah, better. true. That that will definitely affect them. And I guess Ajax signing Rui will be a big boost for them if they want to win their division again. True. Yeah. And with that, guys, uh, we just like to thank you for listening. And uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, please give us a like, uh, comment, or share. And we truly appreciate that. Um, Oscar has to run and take a trip, so. Adios, Oscar. See you next week. See you next week. Yeah, we might have taps for the Super Cup final 
and so we can discuss the tournaments and what's going on there as well for this week. So thanks, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast and almost enjoy your week. Adios. <laughs>